0: my name is Kim McMillan and I want to welcome you to Word of the Day. My guest today is Devorah Major. Devorah has served as San Francisco's third Port laureate. She has seven poetry books, two novels, four chapbooks, and a host of short stories, essays and poems, and anthologies and period trade routes, a symphony by Guillermo Galindo, with spoken word poetry and song by Devorah Major, premiered at the Oakland East Bay Symphony in 2006. In June 2015, Major premiered her poetry play, Classic Black, Voices of 19th Century African Americans in San Francisco at the San Francisco International Arts Festival. Devorah Major performs her work nationally and internationally. I want to welcome you to the show. Devorah, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing just great. Thank you, Kim. A pleasure to be here.
0: It, the pleasure is mine. I love your work. I And this new book, Califia's Daughter, I think, in my personal opinion, is a masterpiece. This is a, a brilliant poetry collection. And so I wanted to just ask you, how, how did it start? How did the idea of Califia's Daughter even come about? Well,
1: it came from uh, two things. When I'm California born. I There was a time... Um, several years ago when I was in New York and um, I enjoy visiting New York and I realized I was such a California person. I was a California woman. I And and as an artist, sometimes I, my, my mind is on whatever poem or story I'm creating and I'm not always fully present. And in New York City, you need to be fully present all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I thought about, and I like space and sun and trees and, just a lot of the, the the things that, to me, California is, you know, the kind of wild ocean and like that. So f- the first thing I did was I really centered myself on, oh, I'm from California. And then my other books are very much uh, outward centered, uh, mostly. Um, and I thought, well, I have all these poems that have to do with myself, uh, myself as Devorah and myself as what it is to be human. And my family and where I come from and my relationship to writing. So it's so it's a book that is both as a daughter of California and also as a uh, letting letting air to these other poetries that had not spent much time in. I'm always telling people, oh, my life's kind of, you know, it's just boring, I'm a writer, come on, you know. Um, you know, it, how, how exciting is it to sit somewhere and watch somebody scribble, you know, <laughs> so, um, so I was trying to bring those two ideas together along with my enduring interest in both science and science fiction.
0: Yes, yes. Well, can you tell us how there, there's a legend for how the state of California was named after Queen Califia? Can you tell us about that?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and, and that's how the actual title of the book came, because first the book started taking shape and then the title. Uh, they say that Cortez, when he was sailing to the uh, west coast of uh, what is now California, that his crew had um, a third of it was actually people of African descent. And that among them was an interpreter who knew the language of the Southern California uh, indigenous people who also, as it happened, had uh, had the Califuna Mandinka, who are Africans from the uh, west coast of Africa, who went around South America and came up to uh, Southern Cal and, and mixed with the indigenous there. Anyway, so he's there, and he sees some steep, rocky cliffs, and he is reading this uh, novel. And as he reads the novel, uh, um, he's like, Oh, this looks just like uh, the novel was called The Adventures of Esplandian. And it was a pulp fiction by uh, Garcia Rodriguez de Montalvo, who um, it's believed actually visited West Africa. So I am of the opinion that he heard the story of Queen Calafia from from the Mandinkos of West Africa. Uh, I believe the Mandinkos are from. I can't remember if if that's uh, Dahomey or, but anyway, it's on the West Coast. Um, It can be looked up easily. But anyway, so he was reading this, The Adventures of Esplandia, about this rocky island uh, paradise that was full of Amazonian black women that wore uh, gold and were supposed to be quite passionate and virtuous. And, um, you know, and, would have men come to procreate, and then send them on their way. And uh, he decided to name this, and they thought for years that that California was in fact an island, mm-hmm. and uh, not, you know, a part of the West Coast. And so he named it after this uh, mythological queen who may have actually been historically correct in so far as myths are usually history okay. aggrandized.
0: And I think it's important to say that the man, the the Mandinka, arrived to the New World before Columbus, and it was not absolutely right. It was not a New World; it was a world that was new to them. Yes, 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 yeah. We have to remember that the idea of colonizers and how we really have to acknowledge that that is a form of colonization you know, um, d- describing places as new worlds. But in your work, you have created a world and you've put together so much of what you love. I-, I see in your writing, the love of science fiction is there, the love of the cosmos, the love of beauty, the love of love is there. And so I have favorites in your um, your collection. Uh, Califia's Caliphia, daughter. One of my favorites is Stardust. And I would love you to read it.
1: Okay, I would. Uh, that's one of those things where, you know, the, the, the original rule of science fiction in terms of writing a, a novel or a short story right. was that you could only vary a maximum of one uh, law. That we knew as a, a, a law of physics or whatever, right? right. And so, uh, a lot of really excellent science fiction is fiction with science. <laughs> yes. And yes. so, this that this is actually uh, science uh, looked at a different way. Stardust, out of clay they caution, dust to dust they intone. From earth you came and to earth you will return, they admonish. They remind us we are mortal and subject to death, yet insist on their eternals, demons and angels, paradise or purgatory, merely human with a finite measure of days. But we have exploded as novas, burned through galaxies, explored far reaches of the Milky Way, ridden on the tails of comets, danced on the edge of asteroids until, in a dizzying frenzy of passion, we fell through the viscous ozone, past cooling clouds to settle in the ooze that feeds the ocean's floor. It was there that we decided to grow limbs and tongue, all the while holding inside the truth of our origin, magnesium, calcium, iron. We are the stuff that stars are made of. It's a scientific fact, a cosmic truth. In ignorance and in knowing, we hold grains of the divine inside ourselves. And we always have.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, that poem is beautiful. That poem, the lines, they stand out. There's, you know, it, it is there that we decided to grow limbs and tongue. It's, what a line. You know, the idea that the universe is waiting for us. And we are a part of that universe. And we are continually continually growing continually shifting is it's just beautiful i'd love to know how long did it take you to write that poem
1: oh i don't know i
0: don't know i'll tell you
1: i actually heard a lecture by a a, a cosmologist and talking about the universe and among the things he talked about was what, was what were stars made of and what were humans made of in the commonality. And then he went on in his lecture. And that part, of it, it just struck me. So I got home and I immediately started, I was listening to it in my car, uh, scribbled out some lines. And then, you know, you know how poems, I mean, it's kind of, to me, like baking bread. you Yeah, know? yeah. I get some of the ingredients in and I knead it some and then I put it somewhere warm for it to rise. And then I come back and I punch it down and eat it again and I, let it rise okay. some more. So I have, I really don't have a sense of how long it took. I know the core of it came out of a piece, well, but the actually turning it into what it is now, that took some time. And I couldn't begin to tell you how much
0: but sometimes a poem is like in my mind a pregnancy it's waiting to be birth and stardust is was a brilliant birth a brilliant birth now i also have another one creation paradox i just wonderful would you mind reading that poem also
1: yeah not at all creation paradox We hold the great, great grandparents of our ancestors' grandparents in our bloodstreams, in our stomachs, in our hearts. Thousands of years rest inside our souls. In those years lies the record of our beginning. It is the sweetest marrow in our spine, the cleanest shine in our eyes, the open side of our laughter. You can read it in the lines on the soles of our feet. When we retell the stories of where we came from, we draw back tree branches to find hidden fruits which we savor, pointed thorns which make us bleed, the yesterdays that led to here, the here that leads to tomorrow. When we go back to the beginning, we find the stars. In the beginning, there was a time we all say, when we were not. After that time, we became. We were created, we were molded, we were spat out, we were sung into until we learned how to make, what to form, where to spit, why to sing. But once, long ago, in the beginning, there was only one and from the one others were born, and out of those many came us. That is the story we all tell. But before that beginning, before the in the beginning, beginning when we were born, there must have been another beginning. Before the spider crafting web laying 16 eggs, before the mountain birthing lovers birthing children, before the sky settling low to mate with earth, before light, before darkness, before breath even, there must have been another beginning, a beginning that lives in a place we call unknowable. Yet it is braided into our genealogies. And it is said that it was in this beginning, the beginning before our beginning. It is there that you must go if you want to find the faces of God. Thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years rest inside our souls.
0: Thank you. When I hear you read that poem, it reminds me of, I see a woman, an African priestess or a storyteller explaining to the children who we are, our cosmology. And so I wondered what brought that poem into existence for you? Well, I think I was, you know, that
1: they... Um... There's so many little bits of information you get and you just store right. like Lucy and we all have African genealogy. I mean, you and I more directly, but <laughs> you know, all humans on the planet. And uh, they found this in our genes and it got me to wondering what stories are there in those genes that we can't unlock. And and the, the um, Western scientific approach uh, to me is actually quite linear. And so the idea that there's a, a sentient ideals within us that we aren't open to all the time that would let us know ourselves was part of it. And then uh, also I had uh, seen a book that my daughter had been given when she was relatively uh, young. She was grown when I wrote this, but that was by Virginia Hamilton. It was Creation Stories, yeah. and I always loved that idea of you know, you know of of looking at Uh, all of the ways that that humans perceive that humans began. And so actually each of the ones that I mentioned is somebody's creation story. Yes. I couldn't possibly do all of them. The poem would have gone on forever. But (laughs) I was trying to have that idea that we have all of these different things that are happening about how humans got there. But before humans got there, whatever our story, something else was there. Yes, Yes. And it's almost as though we ignore that fact uh, when looking at ours. We act as though things began when we began. Even though, you know, obviously if you go and you see an astronomy show, particularly at Planetariums, I love Planetariums, they will will give you these billion-year dates. But I I don't know what a billion is. (laughs) I don't know what a trillion is. I just know that there was sentience, uh, and not a singular sentience, a, a, a multi-universe possibly, but definitely multi-sentience a sentience throughout before we came out of it. And I really wanted to kind of try to capture some of that. I'm always looking for where is our place as human and how can we honor the fact that we we do remarkable things along with incredibly terrible things as humans. But uh, we could, in our best selves, just do remarkable things. It's really not necessary for us to be so ugly and self-destructive. And yet, within all the wonderful things we do, we're still these t- tiny little, smaller than ant, you know, right. Right. Uh, uh, atoms in the universe, when you look at the size of the universe, you know. Uh, uh, even smaller than that, you know. So that I th- that that I was trying to kind of look at all of that and both give credence to uh, the wonder that we are, but also to to bring a certain humility to it.
0: You know, you did, and, and I want our audience to 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 hear just how much other poets appreciate DeVore Major's work. Juan Felipe Herrera, U.S. Poet Laureate. Um, from 2015 to 2017, says of Devorah's work, particularly Califia's daughter, all the dimensions of Devorah Major's life and yours are here, from the beginning before the beginning. Galactic particles to the bebopness of our lives. She speaks of being, of becoming, of totality. It is a journal, an investigation. The life of philosophy of a great poet woman. That is wonderful praise and highly deserved. And I, I just to have a poet look at the universe in this manner, I think is so important. It's you know we look at poems and some people have a category. They're they're romance poems there. They write um, poems about everyday life, but I would I I don't I don't see your poetry as a I see your poetry as limitless. You know, uh-huh. there's no there's no boundaries. It just is. It it's universal. Thank you. I'm. Um, I,
1: I mean, to me, that's you know, it's one of those things. I I, I think about a lot of things, and and. I could. I mean, I do. I love, love, love nature. Um, it, 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 It heals me just to walk with bare feet on real earth and just feel it coming through me and things. But to look just at the trees or flowers around me Mm -hmm. and not acknowledge the sky and planets that if I visited, it was definitely in another lifetime Mm -hmm. is not complete. And, and at the same time to not make connections between, you know, obviously other humans that, 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 that I am born of and in family and friendship and love with is another level of that. So I'm always trying to do all of that. And as you said earlier, I'm, I am a, 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 a flag waver for love and the power of love. Uh, it doesn't do everything. And certainly if one is faced with uh, humans who are unwilling to accept love, uh, it's it's not going to be able to do its work. You know, like mm-hmm. if you ha- have something and a doctor says, here's some antibiotics, you, you look at the bottle, but you never take them, you'll just get sicker, <laughs> you know. But I do think that there's just an incredible power uh, of in love. And so I also, you know, try to write about that and invest in the truth of my understanding of it,
0: you know. Well, what I would love for you to do is read a poem that you would like us to hear.
1: Uh, well, since I just said all that about love, let me uh, read uh, one of the poems I have. I was thinking of doing Alien, but let me do one of those. <laughs> That's a good <nice> one.
0: <laughs> There's so many. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I'm going, of, well, maybe that one would be good. Devorah Majors' Califia's Daughter is available and um online at amazon.com i was going to say bookstores for just a minute but most bookstores at this time due to the pandemic we can't go into but you can find it online on amazon.com you can find out more about devora at her website um devora it's devoramajor.com am i correct
1: that is it keep it simple yes yeah yeah um, okay. The the poem I wanted to read is with arms open, because I think that 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 uh, I know for me it's true, and many people uh, consciously or unconsciously push love away. I don't believe in falling in love. I don't think you fall. <laughs> I think you you walk, and I have a poem about that too. The choice to you, you know that love is a choice. Yes. You know and so this is really about me embracing the concept of love and where love falls in one's life broader than just romantic love because you know love is a is a is a universe with arms open i embrace you love though i have at times hidden from your touch because i thought you smothered me Required that I be the air for others to breathe, the water for others to drink. I embrace you, love, though I have at times denied your advances, knowing that for me to accept your gifts, I must offer those of my own. I embrace you, love, having known you as ladder and crutch, when I wanted to dance, to walk, to sit in stillness. I embrace the dreams you send me and the tears that spill in moments when you crack open my heart to remind me how full it is of starshine and silk. I embrace you, love, who will not catch me when I fall, but instead advises me to swim in your surging waters. I embrace you, love, though you know no forgetting, and insist i continue to feed on your fruits of forever ever more powerful you make me claim you as intimate companion
0: oh wow and i would suggest to all people if you are able if you allow yourself to open your heart up embracing love is one of the best things we can do i consider so many of your poems actually love poems but rather Love poems to the universe. You have this poem called Cloud Music that I I love that you started it out with a quote by Yoko Ono.
1: You know, I actually started that poem in a poets and writers. Uh, they had a retreat for people who were working as poets in residence and such, and they just wanted to give us a day to just be writers. Mm-hmm. And so I came and they had the Yoko Ono quote there. And I thought, hmm, that's an interesting idea. But I already knew that clouds weighed like 10,000 pounds and are full of of, of not just ice, which is, of course, very uh, cold and heavy, can't, you know, but also dirt and particulate matter, all kinds of things. And they're not these kind of benevolent, sweet dream things necessarily that we say they are. And although I have much respect for the way uh, Yoko Ono um, occupies the universe, I didn't exactly agree with her. But anyway, so this was the prompt. Whisper your dream to a cloud. Ask the cloud to remember it, Yoko Ono. Clouds are heavy with tears and dirt, hovering above smog particulates, briefly carrying seagull feathers dressed in colors they do not choose, moving only as the wind demands, weighing as much as a hundred elephants. Let the clouds feed the jade trees, which blossom in gratitude from those kisses. Let the clouds shelter the squabbling blue jays from the swelter of heat and melting tar. Let the clouds dress the mountaintops in undulating cloths of white and gray, now a hat. Let the clouds stay as clouds while my dreams fly, always returning to settle in a crevice of my open heart.
0: Beautiful. And we end with the heart. then your poems are basically a, a, a love letter to the heart. And I very much appreciate your taking the time to read them. Thank you, DeVore Major. And this is Word of the Day with Kim McMillan. Thank you. Thank you.